Welcome to the Real Estate Raw Show, hosted by Joe Mendoza. Hi guys, Joe Mendoza here in sunny San Diego. Welcome to my show. Thanks so much for watching, subscribing, and sharing the great words of wisdom here on the show. Today, ladies and gentlemen, former military, super, super excited to hear his incredible story. He has over a thousand doors now. All right, tons of experience, tons of value. I'm sure he's going to add to the show. Welcome to the show, Eric. How are you? Thank you for having me, Joe. I am glad to be a part and hopefully I can add a little value to your audience. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us your story before real estate, you were in the military, kind of that transition. Yeah. So I, uh, I actually ended up in special operations uh, because I was trying really hard to make it to my own wedding. Uh, I ended up at the top of my class in, um, as I was going through basic uh, and advanced training. And I, because I was at the top, special operations picked me up. And um, so I spent my whole career in, in that unit, in that community. And uh, I'm fortunate to, to have those experiences and ended up like a lot of veterans out there uh, as a landlord by accident. I bought a house with a VA loan and I was 100% leveraged in 2006, you know, bought a new construction home. And, um, and when I moved, I moved, when I got out of the military, I moved back to the San Francisco Bay Area where my wife's from and we had to rent it out. And so then I was kind of just fell into being a landlord. And, uh, you know, that kind of started the whole thing. So really fortunate to have the experiences I've had now. And I'm glad I fell into real estate. It really gave me uh, for tra- for anyone who's listened to this, who's a transitioning veteran or currently active duty, um, having a passion outside of the military is so critically important to your, your mental stability and, and health and wealth and, um, and everything. So, I mean, I could go on and on about that, but. No, thank you. Thank you for your service. Number one, number sure. two. I'm so glad you made this transition. I mean, my dad, he served 20 years in the Navy and he um, retired around 1983. And I remember he had some struggles because I think back then they didn't really have the support during this transitionary period. When you get out of the military, then what? And so I I saw him struggle and it kind of broke my heart every now and then. But to see the military, how the support has really uh, let's say graduated from where it was um, then to where it is now, you know, I commend you and I commend you for, uh, you said you have about 20,000 in your community. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And we we're fortunate enough right now to be changing lives of thousands of people at a time. And uh, we like to say it's one, one vet or one service member at a time, but it's, uh, it's really an amazing community and platform we've created. And uh, there are a lot of people out there that can resonate with what we're doing. I think just inadvertently because, uh, because there is that niche of military real estate investors. And until we identified it and, and collectively created that, that space where, where we could all go and meet, it didn't exist. Everyone was kind of trying to do the, the thing and they became a landlord, but no one was doing it really with intention and focus and a place to go. And so, you know, that's where active duty passive income uh, came to life uh, back in 2017. And now it's just, it's off to the, off to the races. So we're really fortunate. That's awesome. What do you think attributes to your success? Like I saw you, I've heard of you all of a sudden, boom, you know, you came out the gates really, really quick. It seemed like, what do you think attributes to your success? 
so I think having a, a unique niche is, is very helpful. You know, like I said, just a second ago, we created this niche of mil- where we are, where military and real estate investing collide. And, um, and so, and I'll say in, of all niches, we have a niche where an inherent trust comes with it. So that is very unique. So when we started the company, uh, which was at the be- very beginning was just a Facebook group with a few people in it really. And, um, and from there, we, we realized that if we build a community first around people and ideas, um, we can build a platform if we listen to that community. And that's all we did. We started growing the community. We started adding some value in a Facebook group and saying, here's our experiences. Here's what you can do with a VA loan. Here's what you can do with a you know house hacking, a, a fourplex or whatever it is. And then people said, well, man, it'd be great if you had education around that. Oh man, it'd be great if you had a lending option for us. Oh man, it'd be great if you had insurance uh, options for us. It'd be great if you had this. And so then we just said, oh, how can we find that? How can we support our community? And and that's how ADPI really grew. That's beautiful. Now, did you go in all in right away after the military or what was kind of your process or transition from uh, where you are to all of a sudden 10 exit? No, yeah. So I as of the time of this recording, I still have a full-time W-2, um, as do many people I work with. So um, completely bootstrapped um, uh, business, which is amazing because there's no debt, you know, there's no angel investors and, you know, we're able to grow at our own pace and control the things we need to control. But um, when I left the military, I had an opportunity. And so I was in aviation, had master's in aeronautical science. I had a secret security clearance and I was on track to go work for Boeing and Lockheed or, or Sikorsky or Northrop Grumman or one of the big aviation companies out there. Right. And this was in 2011 and everyone was still laying people off. So thankfully I had an opportunity with this other company who I still work for today, 10 years later. And, um, and, but I, I was really just reflective on, what I had been able to do in Savannah, which was, which was where I was stationed was I, I had that one apartment, one um, rental property and it was cash flowing. It was barely cash flowing. It was making like 80 bucks a month or something, right? It's nothing. As soon as the, the, something breaks on it, you lose a couple months worth of <laughs> worth of income. Right. So I was like, okay, is there a better way to do this? Can, can I do, I read rich dad, poor dad. And I was like, well, he he's doing it and he's doing it like way bigger. And I get the concept of that. So is that is that replicatable? Can I do this like so many other people are doing? And I found that the answer is yes. You just have to dig in and try one thing until you get it to work really well. Or if it doesn't work, try something else. And just through that process, we were able to, you know, go through uh, quite a growth uh, stage as I was learning the business in the San Francisco Bay area. So that's awesome, Eric. Now, some people probably caught what I mentioned earlier. You have over a thousand doors, and somebody's probably listening to this. Well, why do you have a day job? I mean, could you explain that maybe to the audience? Yeah, so I'll, I'll clarify that. It's 571 doors as a general partner. We're closing on a 72 unit soon, um, also as a general partner. And uh, we have a 481 unit storage facility coming up. Uh, that's going to be a joint venture. So that's that's going to be amazing. And that'll put me over a thousand doors on the general partnership side, a uh, thousand units. And then, and as a, as a limited partner, passive investor, I also invest because I believe firmly in the velocity of money. If I don't have a deal to invest in myself, I need to keep my money moving. And so I'll invest in, in people that I know and trust in their deals as well. Um, and that didn't come easy. Um, coming from a guy in the military who was making $46,000 a year as a staff sergeant 
in, in our unit. Um, when I left and I got to the Bay area, I was lucky to have a, I was just thankful to have a job. Um, and I, we didn't have, you know, in the, in the Bay area at the time it was like, uh, you know, cheapest house we could find was $500,000. I didn't have a hundred grand to put down on a house. So thankfully I had the VA loan. And so what I'm getting at is we, because I was aware of the situation and what I had, what I was capable of, of doing and the benefits I was capable of using, we live in flipped around the Bay area three times. Um, we moved about eight times in about in a nine year span, but we bought and sold houses that we lived in with our family three of them. And we accumulated, uh, I don't know, somewhere around four or $500,000 just, just with market and, and forest appreciation combined in those three. And so that was the, the startup capital that was hard earned money that we, I was literally uprooting my family, my two school age kids and my wife to move to the next property in the Bay area to, to try this thing out like, Hey, it worked once. Can we do it again? And so at that point with some money in the bank, we were like, how do we start investing this? The velocity of money matters. How do we get this money to move for us? And are we patient enough to wait three to five years for this money to double? So that was a, a real interesting test for us. And thankfully we took the, the plunge and just kept on learning and kept on trying things. And, and it paid off a huge in a huge way. That's awesome. So I have a few buddies that are still in the military. One's a colonel in the Marines and a lieutenant commander in the Navy. Cool. And so what would be your best advice? If you were coaching them, they were sitting here right next to us. What would you say? Like one has maybe a year or two and then he's out. Another has almost the same, then he's out. And he's either thinking, you know what, let's just do the civil service thing, you know, double dip and work that. One kind of actually reached out to me and talked real estate. What would you say to them? Yeah, I would say for anybody who's so those are those are seasoned um, military leaders. Those are guys who've been in for 20 plus years. So for people like that, they may be an accredited investor. So so depending on what their situation is, they might have some capital built up that they could invest as a limited partner in a in a 506c apartment deal. Um, but if they're not, even if they have any cash and they're, and they're not accredited, they could still invest in deals. I, I would do that. If, if you have a busy job, this applies to doctors and athletes and stuff too. If you have a busy job, find somebody you can trust to invest with and invest your money with them. And, and that's quite a process. Don't, you can't do it without tons of research and conversations and things like that. Uh, there's a lot to learn even as a limited partner, uh, passive investor, but that's one thing I would say is get your money moving. Number two, uh, and figure out different ways to leverage um, some things you have, whether it's your your thrift savings uh, plan, your TSP, your 401k, or whatever it is. Just figure out what possibilities there are, and then also what you're comfortable with. You don't over leverage yourself. Don't get into some crazy thing that you're not comfortable with. Just be careful with it, but keep stuff moving if you can. The second thing is, and our book uh, Military House Hacking talks about this, is if one of the most amazing benefits a military member has that is not being taught other than from us is by and large is um, you have the, the advantage of the VA loan. While this is an owner occupied, it's not an investment vehicle, it's not an investment type loan, but it is an, it's an owner occupied product, but it allows you to buy one to four units. So you imagine being a young lieutenant or a young sergeant or something in the military, and you can live off post and buy a fourplex with no money out of pocket, no premier, no PMI, no primary mortgage insurance. And you can live in one, you have to live in one unit and cash flow the other three if you can get a fourplex. 
And this can't be done in every market because you can't find a fourplex. Well, try a threeplex, try, try a duplex, or guess what? Here's what everyone else is doing who can't find those or doesn't feel like that's right for them. Get a single family. If you're a bachelor or bachelorette, get a single family property and rent out the other two rooms to your buddies who are also collecting basic allowance for housing. You can cash flow your own primary residence, a home, a one, a single family residence with no money out of pocket with a VA loan. And, um, and you can actually, you know, not only pay your bills, but actually make money on that thing. And the other key component to that, um, for those who are listening, we do, uh, we have a nationwide uh, real estate brokerage uh, referral network right now. And all of our agents are learning to educate the buyer about like the 1% rule and, and that, hey, this property you're buying right now, Mr. Soldier uh, or Mrs. Soldier is going to be most likely going to be an investment property in two years. So you must analyze it as such right now, which nobody in the military is really doing. They're just like, oh, okay. My, my property is going to be great. Um, you know, I'm going to live in it. It's going to be fantastic. They don't think about like, I have to move in two years. So some people rent because they know they're going to move a lot, but they could be cash flowing that if they buy it right. So I would say to answer your question full circle, it depends on uh, what stage of your career in the military you're in, but there are some, some advantages, some benefits that are earned from the get-go. So anyone who's an E1 up to an 06, like you mentioned, a colonel can take advantage of these, of these great things. So I totally agree with you, Eric. You know, I, I do wear a broker hat every now and then, and any military I talk to, I'm like, God, you got to use that basic allowance for housing yeah. to your advantage. I don't care if you're up and leaving two to three years from now, you know, take advantage while you can, because you're, you're throwing money away if you're renting. Yep. So yeah, that's a great, great uh, tip. Now, you don't seem to be uh, fearful about what's going on with coronavirus or the moratoriums or anything like that. Shed some light to the audience, what your thoughts are around still being proactive in investing. Absolutely. Um, you hear this so many times, at least in the circles that I run in, that you run in, when was the best time to invest? it was 30 years ago. When's the next best time? It's today, right? And and so if you look at the growth curve on, on real estate over the last hundred years, it's going up, right? And there's dips in there. But here's, here's, here's how you hedge against that. Don't get crazy. Don't get wrapped up in other people's frenzies. Run your numbers conservatively. When we buy a 72 unit apartment complex, like this one that we're, that we're buying right now, it, uh, it took us a year to get under contract because we wrote an offer based on conservative numbers, based on the trailing 12 profit and loss statement, which is how you run those numbers. And we said, this is our number. If you can meet us at this number, we've, we'll, we'll move forward. And they said, no, we're going to take a, an offer of $500,000 over your asking price or your, your, um, your offer. And they came back three months later and we said, our number holds. And they said, okay, the last one just fell out. Uh, and so, so that took three times. They came back to us and said, okay, fine. We got your, we got your number. We got your offer. Is it still good? We said, yes, we'll, we'll do this. We'll do this at this price. So don't get crazy wrapped up in everyone else's. Oh, we got to buy right now. It's crazy. We took all of 2020 off. We bought no assets in 2020 because we had plenty of assets to manage and to make sure we weren't going to go in forbearance and, and go underwater. And we had to make sure our tenants were being communicated too well. So communication is a big factor in there. Uh, we did want to see what was going to happen and we were able to do that. And guess what? Because we underwrote conservatively, 
because we knew we could pay our bills, we did not even talk to our lender about forbearance options. And guess what our response was? They now came to us and said, you came to the top of our list in your market for people we're going to contact first when a deal uh, needs to be bought out from an, uh, an owner. So that paid off. And so I think patience, a, a big lesson my mentor um, told me, because you know, in 2019, that was when we bought all, all, you know, almost 600 units in my first full year in multifamily. And then the, in 2020, my mentor was like, Eric, you're going to have to take a, a chill. You're going to have to recognize you know, how, to, how to really um, think about patience in a different way and embrace patience. And so I did. And because of that, um, we weren't rushed. We didn't buy something at too high of a price. I know a lot of people are doing that still. And, um, and we're just waiting for, I hate to call it low-hanging fruit, but stuff that we're comfortable with, that we know we have a team that can execute. And when the time is right and the deal is right, we'll pounce on it and we'll close and things will be great for our investors. That's great, Eric. Now, could you describe your team, your GP team? Uh, you don't have to name names unless you want to, but who's on a team? What are their strengths? What yeah. are they really, really good at? And what do you maybe do? Yeah. One, so I'll talk about general. There's generally several people on the team. You know, you could have between two and five uh, people on your team, maybe more. Um, some I've, I've heard from some syndication attorneys that you get beyond five general partners on a, on a, on a team. And it gets a little bit hairy by the sec. They kind of scrutinize, they could scrutinize it, I guess, a little bit more. So we have five members on our team primarily. And, um, and so you need to have someone who is a guarantor of the loan, somebody who has a higher net worth and liquidity. Um, you need to have somebody who's good at capital raising. Uh, and, and there are, there are a lot of intertwining of these functions, but these are kind of some of the key things that need to happen. Happen. So you have to have all of these strengths between the team. Um, you have to have somebody who's good with sourcing. You have to have earnest money down, um, and, and we call it risk capital. So it's earnest money and, um, and then, you know, paying the attorney's fees and, and some of the inspection fees, some of the upfront costs that's called risk capital, um, and then you have to have somebody who's good with asset management, which is the the biggest piece of it, actually. Um, you know, because when you close the deal, it seems like a lot of work to get the deal closed. But then when you close the deal, you owe you have a fiduciary responsibility to your investors for five plus years to manage that that asset. And you're not actively property managing, but asset managing. You're managing the property managers and and in the, the business plan, so to speak. Um, and then you have to have investor relations. So those are kind of the key components, um, on the team. And we have a, a, a great team that operates that way. And, and, you know, one thing that's cool about multifamily to me is you don't have to be locked into one team. I work with multiple teams. I have a key, a core team that I buy multifamily with, but you know, you're free to go and do deals with other people too. And you just use an operating entity and you can, you can move to other teams that you fit in. And my strength, since you asked, um, I love, going to the asset, which we're doing uh, pretty soon. We're going out to this asset and doing some due diligence. I love networking with the community. I will talk to the mayor. I will talk to the uh, city council members. I'll talk to the chamber of commerce, the firefighters, the, the police department. I will talk to, um, you know, the, I'll go to the zoning, planning and zoning office to see if there's anything I can learn about this asset. And I'll also figure out a way to add value to the community. So every asset that we buy we dedicate, we hold, have a ceremony, we dedicate to a local Medal of Honor recipient. We'll, we'll build a plaque, we'll mount it to a rock or to the, to the office wall, and we'll have a little ceremony around it. We'll have a bounce house and a food truck, and obviously uh, COVID, uh, barring any COVID restrictions or whatever. 
Um, and so we'll, we'll involve the community at the asset. And, and I call that rallying the community around the asset. And I love that piece of, of uh, multifamily. That's awesome. So you started, you said around 2019. So it sounds like you haven't taken anything like full cycle where you disposed or did a 1031 exchange yet. Yeah, we're actually about to go full cycle on a um, 71 pad mobile home park that we bought in 2019. Um, we're looking to sell that later this year. So that'll be great. And then as a limited partner, I've gone full cycle on the first deal that I, that I uh, bought into in 2017. They, they just sold in uh, late 2020. And, uh, and that was great. So awesome. Awesome. So you actually started a little bit before on the as an LP. LP yeah. As, as an LP, I started in late 2017. Uh, and, and for those listeners who don't know what an LP is just a passive investor, a limited partner, passive investor, literally just writing someone a check that you trust with your money and you collect mailbox money. Um, you have no involvement in the, in the activities, you know, the voting rights or any of that stuff. So, um, yeah, that was, that was great to watch that one. And, you know, we made money on that deal. So that's had to be, great. Had to be patient. Great. Now, when you, when you jumped into that on the LP side, what was some of your vetting out process or were you like, you just jumped right in? So, uh, if someone asked me that then I wouldn't have known how to answer that. I had a buddy who's syndicated about uh, 2 billion in real estate that I went to college with. And I just been watching him on social media and I reached out to him and I said, man, how'd you do that? I see you like flying around on jets and stuff. And like, he's just like, Hey, I bought a, bought a fourplex in Bakersfield, California in 2008. And here we are now <laughs> with, you know, uh, I don't know, 10,000 doors or something like that. So um, so I had him to kind of, uh, he owned the company and and I had him to trust. And he said, basically, he's like, Eric, at a 15% IRR, in, uh, internal rate of return, if you had invested $100,000 with me five years ago on this deal that we just uh, went full cycle on, I would have, I would have paid, I would have doubled your, actually, he said it was $290,000 he would have paid me back in five years. And so I just was like, Oh my gosh, I can see why people do this. I can see why it's addicting to get your money moving like that. You do have to be patient because you're waiting five years or three or seven or whatever it takes. But man, that's an incredible thing. Um, so I was able to do that. Now, if somebody asked me how they would how I would do it now, I would say you've got to find somebody who will teach you something. Number one, um, you've got to have number two, you've got to find somebody who has the time for you. To take, to take your phone call, at least if it's someone on their team who's part of investor relations and doesn't seem to be annoyed with your newbie uh, questions and things, that is important. You're getting into this, you need to learn what you're doing and you need to vet the people thoroughly, get references. You can even call their bank to make sure that they're, um, they're uh, you know, legitimate and making payments on time and things like that. I mean, you can really dig in to, um, to, a lot of, of vetting for your, your sponsors on deals. Great too. Uh, any major, major lessons that you wanted to share with the audience that really stands out during this whole journey? Yeah, I would recommend that people uh, learn, learn horizontally and then grow vertically. Um, I have done a lot of different types of real estate investing first uh, after, you know, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad and going to a $30,000 boot camp in the Bay Area and the whole thing, right? Doing the whole thing. Um, <clears throat> what I learned was I don't like tax lien investing. Uh, single fam family fix and flip isn't for me. Um, I've done, you know, Burr. I've done private lending. I still do a little private lending because that's, that's easy mailbox money as well. 
um, self-directed Roth IRA investing. I still do first trust deeds. So I've, I've, I've done a lot because I wanted to learn. And, and one of my passions in life is educating other people about the stuff that I've experienced, not just read about, but actually done, uh, turnkey. I've had, I've had great success with a couple of turnkey properties. Um, and so anything that I find that I like, I love to tell people about it. Anything that I found that I find that I hate, I love to tell people about it. And so I would recommend that someone who is interested in real estate investing, uh, try something that they think that they like, see if it works out. And if you get a bad gut feeling about it, or it just doesn't pan out, move on to something else. So my piece of advice there out of all that is find something in real estate investing you love to do, and you'll be a super, you'll be a success. You just will have to, because you have a passion for it. So you just have to identify that thing. Great, great tip. Eric, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Anything you're promoting or best way to get a hold of you, anything like that? I'll leave you with uh, the success formula. How about that? Let's do it. Learn, network, add value, and take action. If you do those four things time and time again daily to be just 1% better, success will hunt you down. Go do it. You the man, Eric. Thank you so much for being on the show and we wish you well. Thanks very much for having me. Appreciate it. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I hope you learned as much as I did or more. So guys, look at the comment thread. If you've seen something or heard something, want to learn more about something, please put it on the comment link below. If you're not a subscriber yet, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Go ahead and smash that bell to hear the latest and greatest on the show. Follow me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram. I'm putting this channel together to hopefully add incredible value to you. And if you wanna learn more about investing, you're new to investing, I highly recommend this book, Flex with a Plex. Also this book, if you're having some challenges, as you can see, everybody on the show had some kind of adversity, including yours truly. So I shared a lot of that on Make It A Comeback, giving you some incredible tips to make a comeback. So get either one, Plex with a Plex, or Make It A Comeback. If you wanna get more tips, go ahead and go to joemendoza.com. Again, subscribe, share, like, Make a comment below. I really, really appreciate you. Want to add incredible value and wish you all the best in your success in real estate and in life. Take care. Our company is not responsible for the success or failure of your business decisions relating to any information presented by our company or our company programs, products, and or services.